Our lovely Christmas tree. <laughs> we have that one upstairs in the boys' game room where all the ornaments are no longer allowed on the uh, on the grown-up tree go. <laughs> and there in the bar. Oh, there's the bar we talked about last time. Nice. Yeah, it's a tile floor over there. Otherwise, it'd be there. It's cold. It's fair. You're in the basement, right? Yes. So colder, even. Yeah. Colder. So hey, guess what? What? This is episode 12 of Slurp Toast, a podcast. Oh my God, we've made it a whole year. And in a dozen episodes. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew we could do this? We're getting better at the execution end of things. That's for sure. Yes, yes, we are. Yes. So uh, what's been going on since last we podcasted? It? Not much. I finally uh, vanquished my enemy, the vanity. Uh, what's I a, finally... was, was a sledgehammer involved? No, no, no. Um, if you use enough plumber's putty and Teflon tape, you can remove all the washers from the entire sink and make it work without leaking. And, and that's what the previous owners did. Is that I, I got everything done. I was like, nice. Turned the water on. It came spewing out the bottom. Uh, I, I did not notice that they had taken the, uh, the washers out of the peat trap. Nice. And, and I mean, I've got a bucket to catch water and stuff. So I'm like going, you know, looking in there, you know, thinking that maybe it fell out when I took it off. And it's like, no, it's, I, I've never had it. It just, it, wow. it explains why everything was tightened, you know, because like when they do plumbing, they always say like go hand tight. Mm-hmm. Like a half, you know, quarter turn, a half turn beyond that. So that you're not over torquing everything. But I mean, I had, I was a nightmare. You know what? I was listening to your story, but while you were talking, you know what I realized? Hmm. My beard is way grayer than yours. In spots, I bet. See? So no, no. Like, look here. See my side? It starts here. Uh huh. If I had just sideburns, that one's... It's weird because it started like one side of my face. Like I had like kind of like a stripe. Like this sideburn went gray. (laughs) And and now the chin is all gray. See, it's it's still more dark. It's darker on this side. More dark. What the hell was that? Anyway, so... But yeah, you're, I just have these like real gray, wispy wings. I mean, I could do a pretty good Martin Van Buren, I think. Uh, well, Jack keeps trying to get me to go full Lemmy and just shave the soul patch right down the middle of my chin and you mm-hmm. get the full Lemmy. Laura is not amused by that conversation when it arises. <laughs> uh, I did earlier this summer. I remember the pictures, yes. Oh, I, I, if my family had the strength to hold me down and shave me, they, they would have tried. I really should have taken advantage of uh, Movember and done the Lemmy and let it grow back, but I just didn't think of it in time. I'm doing it for charity and men's health, honey. That's right. Yeah, see, what's weird about mine is, yeah, it's, I, it's, I did a Zoom call with Barrett and uh, my Brian from college yesterday, mm-hmm. and, and we got talking about facial hair and how, you know, my friend Brian, who's a couple years younger than me, but he's like full gray beard. He's like, how did you get this 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 mix? I go, I, I you know, the sideburns I get because I was doing the Reed Richards. Yeah, kind of you've been doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's not a big deal. It's it's the patch in the middle, the uh, Pepe Le Pew thing I got going here. Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of the Pepe Le Pew, but look, uh, just isn't working for me. 
Yeah, I uh, mine has this natural Every curl night. when it gets about this long, and it's, it's like I'm like, what if I can't go full Neidhart because it doesn't really work? So I end up with kind of this like square rectangular thing. So I don't know. <laughs> it's all right. Of course, my father always likes to say, "Can't grow it on your head, so you grow it on your chin, boy." To which I respond, "Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, that's correct. I most certainly do." Um, I had a funny story I wanted to tell you. Okay. I, I, I call this uh, failing the candy captcha story. Okay. <laughs> Laura, Laura gets a lot of, uh, she gets some gifts like from other law firms and things she works with every year around Christmas time. And last week, it was actually the night we were supposed to record earlier in the week before I had the, the issue come up. Uh, she got this box of uh, it's like, like this fancy Whitman sampler, right? So it came with, uh, they're all like fancy decorated, you know, like somebody like hand painted these things and whatever. And, uh, but it came with like this little insert where it like, this one does this and this one does that. Oh, and yeah, was, and uh, well, I told her it was like a captcha and, and I, oh, this one sounds like it's going to be pistachio and something. Well, I clearly misread the instructions because it did. I don't know what I've been into, but it was not what I was expecting. Pistachios <laughs> are not supposed to be liquid or no. taste like that. So no. I failed the candy captcha miserably this week. <laughs> And I haven't eaten another one since. <laughs> and I don't trust it. But it. Said that paint job was supposed to be pistachios, and it wasn't. Some sort yeah. of <laughs> I was wondering, like Buddy the Elf, <laughs> or Tom Hanks in Big, whatever that was. No. <laughs> I have no Moon Knight news this week. Do you? Oh crap. Um. It's no, okay. I'm sorry. No, no, I was gonna say, uh, you know, I, I'm finding like more people, uh, well, uh, more Moon Knight people are like coming out in these little groups that I belong to. And I think, that, hey, hold yeah. on, clarify what kind of groups are these? Are they Moon Knight groups or just, no, 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 just Funko just, groups or groups and stuff. okay? I think the funny one is, you know, like somebody's like, hey, you know, I've heard the new Moon Knight show is going to be like you know, Indiana Jones. And I'm just trying to figure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how that would work. So it's like, okay, if that's the case, then you'd be like more of the globe tropping, tro- bleh, trotting uh, Mark Spector guy, you know, right? mercenary. So then maybe you're Stephen Grant, who's funding all these things. Or maybe, and I responded, as long as it's not like his previous series, in which case each little thing goes about three episodes and comes back a totally different tone <laughs> next time. <laughs> so we've got a 10-episode season. It goes about four, stops, starts back up the next year, and the concept is completely different. See, that would be entertaining. <laughs> That would be be really funny and keeping in with the character. Now, see, you're saying, because this, what you just said ties into the thought I had earlier in the week, and it probably won't ever happen, but I think it would be cool. Um, They want a globetrotting, like, superhero kind of guy. They should use Orson Randall and do, like, all pulp, like, adventure series. I think that would be amazing. Okay, for for those of you who don't know who Orson Randall is, because I just went deep, fairly deep cut. He's uh, the original, the newly retconned original Iron Fist pre-Danny Rand, who uh, was a 
was like a forties, like a forties adventurer, pulp hero kind of guy. had had the uh, stable of uh, associates, much like the shadow. And uh, it was hinted that he had many adventures back then, and I think that would be very cool. So that would be fun. It would be. And you, you know, cultural misappropriation that you know the big time karate guy is a white dude, so that'd be fun. Because <laughs> yeah, they handled it so well on the Netflix Iron Fist show. <laughs> God, that was such a misfire. God, that was horrible. So badly cast uh, uh, from start to finish. Uh huh. Wait. So we've got the uh, the Knight of Flowers is a kung fu master with ennui. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> it just, I, you know, it's like you, you, in preparation for that, I read a bunch of the Iron Fist, uh, you know, series. Cause yeah. I, um, Carrie Andrews has done a couple, you know, Iron Fist books. Uh, and then the, the Matt Brubaker run where they. That was know, my bought, favorite. That was yeah, that was great. That got me excited. So when the series came out, I went back and I read like all the John Byrne stuff and the Claremonts. I mean, all the old like unto clearly- a thing of iron, yes. like unto <laughs> a thing of iron. They were contractually obligated to put that at, at least each episode at least once each issue. John Byrne's March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I have one of those like, <laughs> essentials, the big black and white ones. And it was just like, I can't. I bought this. I have to read it. Oh, why? Oh, this is not good. Well, it, it did. See, I, 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 because I did all the Iron Fist series and then I read all the Iron Fist Power Man combined. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, that shit was just straight up exploitation. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's exactly what it was. I mean, they, they, they made Iron Fist and Shang-Chi to cash in on the Bruce Lee craze. Although why they needed two, I'm not sure. When Shang-Chi, who I have the action figure up there on the top shelf, um, <laughs> was clearly <laughs> Bruce Lee. And I'm going to get it down. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Okay, do, 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 do. Oh, man. I haven't opened him yet, but I need to. But yeah, so anyway. Yeah, that was clearly Bruce Lee. So I don't know why he needed a white guy too. But anyway. Um yeah, and then Luke Cage was just straight on black exploitation. And bad black exploitation. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things that the Netflix uh Luke Cage series really got right was they they modernized it really nicely and put him in a in a modern environment mm-hmm. uh, and made it make sense as better. He wasn't completely He <laughs> wasn't without his problems. I'm not saying that cuz you know, Shades should have died way earlier. Oh, Shade is terrible. I couldn't stand Shade. I, I just, to me, that like, um, like, like Jessica Jones. I, I, the first season, Jessica Jones was really hard to watch. Yeah, I made it. Was, was, was much, much better and much more interesting. Wait, you said the second season was? Because I never watched it. No, the second season was, was better. The third season was actually pretty good, too. Wait, there were three? I think so. Oh, damn. I'm way behind. Yeah, they did three of Jessica. Okay. All right. Um, the the Luke Cage had moments where it was really good. Yeah, and had moments where you're just kind of like, oh, "What the hell, guys?" <laughs> you know? Well, it suffered from the same problem that all of those shows suffered from was the filler episodes. Uh, just like those shows should have all been 
10 episodes max. There was at least three episodes in every season of every one of those Netflix Marvel shows that was fluff and didn't need to be there. Yes. I mean, it was, that was always my biggest problem with them. So. No, I, I, I agree. Because you're kind of like, okay, okay, we're going to take a break. Like this first season, I didn't watch. I, I, apparently, I was a very bad Netflix Marvel fan. So maybe I'm the reason they got canceled because I never watched season two of The Punisher. But you know how I feel about The Punisher. So. Um, <laughs> The Punisher was actually good. Uh, I enjoyed the the first season. Well, I enjoyed the way they built the character out. I didn't need the PTSD storyline that was running through the whole thing. That was too much fan. It wasn't even fan service. It was just like guilt service or whatever we want to call that. The Frank parts were really well done. And we should know because we fed him to Godzilla. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> And we did it proudly and against everyone's wishes. But even so, I admit, I, I okay, I found parts of it, and I still believe that we're missing a chunk in the middle. But I, I found of our a, story, of our story, yeah. Oh, you have it? I found it on a on a whole. That's why I think it's incomplete because I found it like an old file on, um, and I, I'm reading it along, and it and it just feels like it kind of there's like an abrupt change. <laughs> I'm sitting there going. I'm pretty sure there's more. Can you send that to me? I'd like to see. Oh, God. Okay. If you can find yeah. it, if whenever. So what we're talking about, because nobody knows except us at this point, we used to write uh, some fan fiction because, you know, we are geeks after all. <laughs> and we, we started out writing a, a Fantastic Four series, which is a whole other thing. We That's if they could take some of our stories from fan, Fantastic Four and, and make that into a movie, I think that'd be great. Like the one where the golf balls come alive. Yes, I would love to see that, <laughs> even if it's animated. Uh, the, yes, Ben Graham was using the negative zone as a driving range, and things went badly. Uh, but actually, you know what? There's a um, in the new Fantastic Four. There is a run where they do rocks on drilling on the Indian reservation. I shit you not. And I'm thinking, oh. that's our concept, dude. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> yeah, we did. We had the mole man. The mole man showed up. Yep, we had that. Uh huh. Yep. Didn't we have him take him take people to court? He was suing. That's it. Yes. Gonna- <laughs> yes. And uh, Daredevil was defending the Fantastic Four. Yes. We yes we had we had a courtroom drama mixed in with uh, big business back in that. I think it was around Enron times when we did that one. Yep. Yep. So anyway, in the course of this, we had this like ongoing vignette where there was something happening. Something came to life under the sea. It was Godzilla because, you know, mm-hmm. Godzilla did used to be part of the Marvel Universe when they had the rights. Uh, again, much, much too much to the dismay of the other writers in the group at the time. Um, yeah. we, ended, we ended up having uh, Godzilla destroy the Wisconsin Dells, um, make his way down to New Orleans somehow. I think we had him go up the Mississippi. Because, you know, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I was going to say, we had it like all over the places it didn't make sense. He showed up. <laughs> we never showed him. He just wreaked havoc and left. But in the long run, we did a two-shot a two shot Punisher uh, series. To Punisher two-shot, not a series. But And in the end, uh, after uh, destroying the mob in New Orleans, Godzilla eats the Punisher. And that's how it ends. And 
nobody was happy except us because we were tired of the Punisher. We were tired of the Punisher, but people who read it actually enjoyed the story overall because even though it was the Punisher, he was a secondary character. Our main characters were two New Orleans cops. (laughs) Right. We had, we wrote it from, we were actually, we wrote it. You wrote the Punisher part. No, you wrote the you wrote the cop part, and I wrote the Punisher part. So we had like the procedural detective story, uh, which you wrote beautifully from the point of view of the two New Orleans cops, and I wrote the Punisher part of him like wreaking havoc. You know, first person Punisher, Mac uh, Bolan. <laughs> it was very Mac Bolan. Well, and that's what the Punisher is. I mean, I just wrote it first person Mac Bolan, and it was sort of did itself, and it worked. That it was did. Good. As I'm rereading it, I'm like going through it, going, huh. That's actually us. <laughs> it really is. It was maybe the most us thing we ever wrote for that. Although, but the, I mean, it was like we actually wrote it, and it was, um, it was, you know, not uh, oh, self-indulgent. It wasn't. It, it, I mean, we actually, I think, kept it. You know, whatever it is we were trying to achieve. Yeah, we, I think you're right. Yeah, and you remember, yeah, because yeah. they, they kept complaining about our Fantastic Four because we'd have episodes where none of the Fantastic Four would appear. We, 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 we like lined out the roster with all these like B-grade heroes. Hello, Iron Fist, who were working for the Fantastic Four. So we had Ant-Man and uh, Iron Fist working security in the building. And occasionally we'd, we'd have the four show up because we were contractually obligated. But it was always in something weird like driving range in the negative zone or which then led to the um the fight with annihilus yes <laughs> so it was a perfect setup you didn't see it coming no yeah we we i mean it was it was i've even read some of those those were fun too yeah i've reread a few of those too i mean we did i mean even when we were like it looked like we were left-handing it there was always a play up payoff at the end so that's right that's right Anyway, years of watching wrestling paid off. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought we'd say that out loud. No, I'm just kidding. No. Although now that I'm I'm mining the old UCW things for product ideas. So <laughs> Okay. Good. Good, good, good. Um speaking of comics, I have one more I wanted to bring up. I made a few notes here for today. Um I've been talking a lot about uh, Jack Kirby and his fourth world and the way that uh, no one else seems to be able to handle the characters and the width, the breadth of what he envisioned. I finally found someone who got it. Oh, yeah? Yep. John Byrne. He actually contributed some artwork to the, to the series, but it was Simonson. Walter Simonson did a lengthy run on, 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 on Orion solo series, which if anybody's going to draw Fourth World – and run on an epic cosmic scale, Walt's your guy. Yeah. It's um it's up there with this Thor stuff by the time it's over with. There was a film I was like, holy crap, this is this is it right here. He's the only guy I've seen who really I'll take that back. The most the most recent Mr. Miracle miniseries or maxi series <clears throat> was really good and kind of got right up to it. But that's Simons and stuff, man. He drew uh there's like one panel I can remember like he drew Apocalypse with like the, the Walt Simonson fire shooting out of the fire pit into the heavens and I'm with the big Walt Simonson like sound effect 
shooting off at an angle and it's it's really crack a thum yeah you know <laughs> that one is really good if you ever get a chance read simonson's um yes, orion I'm up at the uh, crack a thum so because <laughs> ding i need a drum drop right there in the new year i'm gonna get drops and stuff i'm just trying to get us up and running first <laughs> We turn it into morning radio. <laughs> zing, zing. Hey. <laughs> morning, morning zoo coming at you. <laughs> All right. One of my sons asked me a question today because we were watching the, uh, the Saints Chiefs game. Okay. And they wanted to know if you were a Chiefs fan. And I said, you know what? I don't know because he was raised in Denver and he was, a, he was a Broncos fan forever. But he's lived in Kansas City for so long. So, inquiring minds want to know. Um, yeah, it took 20 years. <laughs> and Patrick Mahomes. That helped. That helped. I mean, actually, it's, it's when Andy Reid came on board, <clears throat> when I moved to town, mm-hmm. still Lynn Dawson's town, okay? And, and the, the Chiefs would play, and then Lynn Dawson would show up on the local news immediately after the game and he would tell you that everything uh coach stram would do and everything coach stram wouldn't do okay and so that was oh it was terrible he'd critique the the quarterback play and he'd critique this you know and uh you know they went through you know bad coaches todd haley uh crap um you know a couple of others yeah and if, they hire Andy Reid and you're kind of like, okay, well maybe now after, after we seem to, you know, Lynn has gotten older. We don't see him as much. <laughs> so now I'll kind of follow the team and then they draft Mahomes and then, you know, Super Bowl. Yes. I finally bought last year, my first chiefs garment. I found this retro looking sweatshirt. Kind of cool. My did it wife didn't make your skin break out at all. No, I didn't. Okay. But I wore it with the old D with the horse in it, the Denver Broncos. I, w- I would often wear it with that hat. <laughs> Make yourself feel better. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like it wasn't being greater. And then I finally, I found a, a, uh, a Chiefs hat, you know. The, the, I've been wearing a red Monarchs hat to Royals games for about, you know, uh, eight years. <laughs> I've seen the hat. Yep. Yes, you've seen the hat. Okay. I, I I have three of them. I have one that has been retired. I have one that's currently being worn. And because it, I found them on sale, I bought an extra one. To when this one wears out in three years, I got another hat for three years. Nice. That's some uh, advanced planning. I'm impressed. But you know, I would always wear this to to Royals games. Um. I also have a, a nice, I have a Royals jersey that was for the uh, 4th of July weekend. So the, the logo is actually like a stars and stripes pattern in the letters. Okay. So it's like a dark gray, blue outline, or red outline, and then the blue letters, and just says Kansas City. Um, and I was wearing that and wearing my, my Monarchs cap to a baseball game. We are playing the Indians, and we're soon to be the Cleveland baseball team. But um, our, our, I'm hoping they'll be the Cleveland Hunters just to make right with our friend Hunter Roberts. <laughs> Cleveland carjackers. <laughs> That's another question for him. 
<laughs> he posted that online. I was just like, yeah, the Cleveland baseball team. But anyway, no, I'm wearing that, you know, and some guys, um, some Royals fan is like, go back to Cleveland. Because the colors look so much more like Cleveland's colors than the Royals. Right. <laughs> I just leaned over to him. I was like, learn how to read. <laughs> yes, of course you did. Got <laughs> <Put> him down. <laughs> uh. Oh shit! You know, I wore my Royals cap to my my Monarchs cap to uh, Chicago. And a White Sox fan's like, "Huh, Royals, huh? Got a lot of guts, you know, wearing that thing around, wearing that hat around here." And I looked up at him. I go, "White Sox, huh? Shouldn't you be in jail?" <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> very nice. Baird and Brian were just like, "God, what was that?" <laughs> and the dude did one of those. He's like. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, recognize, you know. Uh, I, started, uh, I started reading a new book uh, last night. It's uh, sort of the spiritual successor to Moneyball, which I love. Um, it's called Astro Ball. And it's essentially how they went from being the worst team in the history of baseball <laughs> to World Series champs in three years and how they built the organization. So I'm, I'm digging that because I – I love Moneyball. I even figured out how to apply that to fantasy baseball and to little league baseball, believe it or not, before it was over with. So um, I was calling, I was calling infield shifts from the dugout and the boys last year, little league, because I had enough data on my iPad. I'm like, this kid always hits at the third shift left. (laughs) Cause you know, you've, you've heard some of my little league stories, but it was ridiculous. And I have an idea for a book about that, but that's a whole other thing. But um, like, there were there were there were moms for every team who were keeping keeping the scorecard, but it was it was uh, on iPads now. So you don't have to have the book; you can just keep it in your iPad. And I was doing the same. So there was this whole underground, like the team mom was getting me box scores from other games, so I could didn't stick them in with my data. And I was getting these like spray charts for these nine year olds, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> we may all be taking this a little too seriously. But seriously, shift left; he's going to hit it to third. <laughs> And sure enough, he did. <laughs> oh, man. See, you know, what kills me is when they put the shift on, like, a major league player. And it's like, I, I don't understand it. Why can't you just learn to pull the ball? That's it. Yeah. I mean, you've got hitting coaches who could – they. and to his credit, Mike Moustakas, we were out there, and they're playing the Detroit Tigers, whom – Another one of those teams that are on my list, like the White Sox. Um, so pretty much anybody in the AL Central except the Royals is what I'm getting so far. I don't mind the Indians. I don't <laughs> mind the Twins. But, I, yeah, Detroit fans are just obnoxious. White Sox fans, terrible. Yankees fans, god-awful. You ever want to know how many Yankee World Series the Yankees won? Just, you know, sit next to one of them and go, yeah, Yankees suck. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you think we suck? 27 World Series, my friend. That is not sucking. It's like, yeah, you know, you guys were founded by gangsters. Hey, we may have been founded by gangsters, but we're royalty now, man. We are baseball royalty. You guys haven't been in the World Series in the, like the 2000s. <laughs> it's like like Cowboys fans. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Tony Romo is going to get to the Super Bowl this year finally as an announcer. I think it's <laughs> – He's surprisingly competent as an announcer. Yeah, I mean, I really wish he could have read defenses as well on the field as he can from the booth because 
I think there might be the, the whole thing is that he's in the booth <laughs> and seeing it from above as opposed to, you know, just bodies. Yeah, I was watching one game. I think it must have been calling. I don't know what game it was last week that he was calling, but he went full Jason Bateman from dodgeball at one point, And I just looked at Laura and went, well, that's a bold move, Cotton. Because he was talking. I'm like, what the hell is he even talking about? <laughs> he's had too many Coronas in the booth. He's He can get old and fat like John Madden, and he's going to be beautiful to watch. Oh, yeah, Brett Favre is a hell of a <laughs> Brett Favre is the Brett Favre of being Brett Favre. <laughs> it's like the Frank Caliendo routine. Exactly. Well, you got the Brett Favre over here, and Brett Favre, he's, he's like, hey, Brett Favre, Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, but no, talking about beating the shift, right? Yeah. So the Royals are playing Detroit. Detroit throws the shift. They throw everybody to the first base side. And uh, Moustakas lays down a third baseline bunt. They should and always do that. Walked to first. <laughs> That always makes me happy when that shit happens. It's like <laughs> he just the slow trot to first because he knows he's he's not getting to second. And I mean, Detroit is they started to run for the ball and scramble, and they realized that they screwed themselves. And it looked like a t-ball game. Everybody ran for the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I wondered. It's like if they put the shift on, why not? Lay down a bunt to the opposite. I have the same wonders myself because I'm like, no, you, you, you see, you, it. just drop it, just clank and oh. go. I do a little Ichiro, you know, you know, punt just punch it, just punch it. Yeah, if there's nobody on the left side, just catch the flash hit over. Just, just hold the bat out just like that, <laughs> and just bloop. It doesn't even have to clear the dirt. Just get it to the dirt, and you're all going yeah. free. Oh yeah. Yeah, if you got a if you got a righty or lefty on the mound is falling away. Oh. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I was wearing my uh my uh Mariachi's Copa de Dial Mundial hat yesterday while we were doing a little Christmas shopping and the guy at the comic shop was like, What is that? I'm like, Oh, let me talk to you about this. <laughs> well, I asked for a Chicharroni's hat. And and then after I asked for the Chicharronis, they announced a, a realignment of minor league teams. Right. The Royals picked up the Columbus Fireflies. And is that the ones that the Chicharronis? That's the ones that are the Chicharronis. Nice. Nice. And the we, Quad City River Bandits, formerly I, the Caneros. I saw that post you had because I figured that was going to make you excited. We have uh, the Round Rock Express here in town. Well, north side of town. But uh, they're – I think they're still with the Astros. Actually, they may be with the Rangers now. I can't remember. But anyway, they're still Texas of the lady. But during that whole Copa de Mundial, they were the Chupacabras. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was it was not as good as the mariachis and the uh, evil eye that I bought. Oh, the Mal de, Mal de Oro? Or yeah, it's that, like the, the bull with one eye. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, it's like a three-color panel hat. So it kind of looks a little Montreal expose are Houston Oilers colors with that bull in the front. <laughs> that one I don't get to wear out of the house much. <laughs> and it kills me. Some of those teams really embrace that and had a good time with it. And others just like, you know, uh, our Omaha affiliate just 
they went from the chaser, the storm chasers to the Cazadores de Tornados or something. I mean, they just basically a literal straight up translation. I know well, who's someone was the Chanclas, which made me laugh every time I saw the logo. <laughs> you know what that one is, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It does the Raspas, the little ice cream treat. <laughs> somebody was the Elados, not the Elados, the uh, what's the corn? Elotes. Elotes, elotes. Yeah. Someone was the Elotes with the corn on it. That one's a good one, too. I love minor <laughs> league hats. Wait a minute. Those were great. And that, that's one of those that I, I really thought was, was fun that they embraced that. And like I said, some teams went whole hog, like the Chicharrones and the Mariachis. Um, there's like one that does like the cat that has like this sugar skull catfish thing on it. Yeah. Moscados. Who is the Carolinas? Yeah, the Mudcats. Yeah. <clears throat> I, uh, our, when I was going back to Little League, our, uh, our, our fall program, which was like the, <laughs> the developmental league, uh, did minor league teams. So I was in charge of that program for a couple of years. And so I got to pick which ones I wanted to use. I'm very fluent in minor league paraphernalia. <laughs> It's like I don't. The first year I coached, we were the the lug nuts, which was the Lansing, Michigan team. I'm like, that one sucks. How do you explain to four year olds what a lug nut is? We need things that the kids will understand. Somebody put some thought in. So, yeah. <laughs> so I made sure we got the cool ones that the kids would understand. The trash pandas. <laughs> we were the round. We were the express one year. Uh-huh. Uh, what else were we? The bats. Okay, there you go. That was a good one because we had like the the Greensboro Bats hat, purple shirt, and we had gray pants or black pants with the it was it was a it was a sweet looking uniform and we went like eight and two so, yeah. <laughs> we could have a whole show about my misadventures as a as a little league coach. That's a whole that's a whole broadcast. <laughs> yeah, I realized I would have continued playing little league if they had the DH. <laughs> I realized that uh, that summer we moved to Lafayette from Lake Charles. I really should just spent the summer in the backyard learning to pitch, but I didn't. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, Mark one, I don't know, as we try not to mention our, our employers, but anyway, um, they had a suite, a full, full season, full suite, which we bought by mistake, you know. We had a partial suite. They go to the playoffs. We say, we don't want tickets to all the playoffs. We're not doing it. And then all of our clients like came out of the woodwork. So we said, we want to get tickets for the games, for the playoffs and the World Series if we go. And and to get that for that season, they made us commit to a three-year full season suite pad deal. Wow. I don't even, I, I want to know, but I'm not going to ask what that costs. Good Lord. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> too, too too much too much now to be honest because we did renovations at the stadium we we it was a, it was kind of a you know uh you know scratch my back type not scratch my back we're doing business with you okay then you know you should do i mean it was that kind of reciprocal sort of a thing right <clears throat> but they had a day where uh, two people from the, the company got to go out and, you know, take batting practice. So I got nice. to do batting, and I got to go. And so I did batting practice. John Mayberry was the hitting guy. And that was cool. Cause you know, this is like, uh, this is about six months after the stroke. 
and about a month and a half after the pacemaker. So put, were you doing the Ichiro? You were just clank? <laughs> oh, no, I was taking full swings. And Mayberry was great. He goes, oh, man. He goes, he goes, you hit big when you were Little League, didn't you? I go, I did. I go, if they had the DH, I'd have kept playing. He goes, you, you take big cuts. And he, I mean, and it was so cool because, I mean, it felt like he didn't talk to other people like this. He's like, you need to hit down. You need to level out, you know. Pat, and all I'm you were, doing is, you were, were you swinging up? Were you cutting yes. under? Yeah. Yeah. The golf swing. So I adjusted it. And, you know, there's some guys who are like played college ball, you know, with metal bat. Yes. Metal bat, and they're just pounding it just over the outfield. You know, they trap and it just, you know. Yeah. Because that wood bat doesn't have the clang that that aluminum bat does. That's right. So I'm sitting here with the wooden bat. And I'm like, I just want to make contact. I don't want to whiff. I just want to clear the outfield or clear the infield. That's all. I'm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt pretty good because it's like, all right, stroke kid with the pacemaker hit it just as just as far as this guy, you know. That that guy's still chasing something. You weren't, so I, yeah, I had. No, he was trying to prove something to somebody. And all I'm trying to prove to myself is I can do this without pain or ripping the thing out of my shoulder. That other guy was sure that when he made contact, they were going to offer him a contract, the one he didn't get 15 years ago. He was sure of that. And I just got a couple extra minutes with John Mayberry, so I think I won. <laughs> I, I, see, this is all circling back to Little League stories. I, play, I coached against one of those guys. He oh, still, yeah? He still played semi-pro ball. <laughs> And his entire being was wrapped up in that, uh, in in how his teams did. He he gamed the system, did everything he could to get an edge. I'm like, dude, and the <laughs> and he was sort of because he was on the board of directors with me. Uh, so we and you know we kind of had our kids were the same age, so it was like we were kind of the next group in line behind the ones that had been there forever, and. The last year the boys played before they retired, we ended up making it all the way to the district championship game. Um, and we were playing his team in the district championship game. And we had <laughs> this is this is gonna sound horrible. We had a we had a deep roster of pitchers. We had five or six kids who could pitch. Nice. Which is a good in Little League because you they could <clears throat> only pitch for so long. Mm -hmm. But we had managed to I was the bench coach, so I say we. I had helped I was the third coach, but we had managed to preserve our best pitcher for the last game if we needed him <laughs> so that he could max out his innings. <laughs> to get to this game, the other guy, semi-pro, uh -huh. had burned his, raw, his pitching staff. He had one kid left who I knew who I had coached who was a good kid, but he wasn't going to be a five-inning pitcher. He was a great hitter, great fielder. He could pitch, but he wasn't going to go five innings. Mm -hmm. And they got to him early. <laughs> I mean, they got to him bad early. And he was one of those kids that if you got it, if he got in his head, he was a yeah, he was he no he, was a, he would go from your best player to one of your worst because he was just so anxious. But they got to him early, and they got to him bad. And my kids were not the best players on the team. Let's be honest. They were probably in the lower half of the, of the roster. They had moments. And, uh, but Jack came up with runners in scoring position and hit a bullet to second base, which was where semi pros kid was playing. 
and just tore him up. It popped on him. Kid lost the ball. We scored. How do you? Anyway, long story short, we ended up run ruling him. Oh man! In the championship game, and Jack's hit was the one that essentially the second run because it was eleven to eleven to one was the final score. Oh man! So Jack drove in run number two. So technically, the game-winning RBI. By eating this guy's kid up. Now, here's the kicker to this story. Semi-pro didn't even show up for the game. Because? Because he knew he was going to get his ass kicked. <laughs> he left. The Didn't show. The kid who was the pitcher, his grandfather had been one of my coaches for several years, ended up having to step in and coach this other team. Left him high, left a bunch of nine year olds high and dry because he couldn't. St- he knew that unless the baseball gods aligned, he was going to go down in flames. And he just didn't even show. It was the full <clears throat> bad news bears baseball dad scenario. I'm like, really? <laughs> so any modicum of respect I had for that dude was gone after that. But, wow. Yeah, that is. So, moral of the story, kids. Don't play baseball. It's just if grow up. That's the most. Be be a grown up if you're going to coach these kids. They that's the least they deserve. Oh yeah. Okay, I give you that. This is funny because this dovetail with what I've been thinking about like all week is that I my dad played baseball. You know, and he coached us. And I mean, he could throw a knuckleball. Really? You know? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I always think he wanted me to be more, like I said, you had a DH, I was your guy. I was going to be, you know, your Frank Thomas, your, your Barry Bonds. I'm just going to hit. That's it. I don't care, you know. Um, but they tried to get me to pitch because I was lefty. I played a lot of first base, which was fine. Uh, ended up in center field because I had speed and, and could cover the ground. Um, but, you know, in Little League, you don't have a lot of guys who are hitting them, popping them out to center field. So if you're playing the outfield, you're not really. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it gets I, a little I, tiresome I, out there. I got bored quick. Yeah. But what I found is as I've gotten older, that I'm more fascinated by the mechanics of building a baseball team than, and, and, and just, I, I I know more about professional baseball than I ever thought I would. <clears throat> See, I was that was the only sport I ever played because I was you know rail thin, wore glasses, had allergies, so mom wouldn't let me play football, um, and I sucked at basketball. I tried that, so baseball was my one. So I was always fascinated by the numbers on the backs of the baseball cards. I'd like to see, oh yeah, I would love, I'm, I think there's still a shoebox of like 70s baseball cards at my parents' house somewhere, but um, yeah, I loved that. And just like, and as it became more of a thing, I mean, I've read Moneyball. There's also a book about uh, the Rays, how they turned their organization around called The Extra 2%, which is a great read. Okay. Um, there's one about the Red Sox building, building the monster or something like that. There's about how they used, analytics and things to turn the Red Sox around. Now I'm reading the one about the Astros. Um, I love that shit. And, and then when I was able to like figure out a way to apply it to, uh, like I said, to Little League was one thing, but like I got to the point when I, I played fantasy baseball for 15 years, hardcore. 
Um, and I figured out a way to use sort of my own analytics tools to draft do my drafts. Mm-hmm. And I went, <clears throat> I think before the league folded, I'd won the last three years running away because we had, in, we'd instituted like a minor league team where you could come in and like s- stockpile people. Ah. Like, you know, over time, because the way our, our league was set up, everybody's salary escalated a certain amount every year. Um, it's a little bit of a hybrid, but anyway, long story short, I had John Morehouse, who, you know, was in the league the last few years and he started calling my minor league team, uh, Satan's dollar store because <laughs> what I would do is if I was far enough ahead, I'd start shoving my least expensive guys down there. And so then their salary would only escalate $1 for the next year. So I had <laughs> Kershaw for years for under $10 fantasy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got him like, like when he was still in triple a and rode him <laughs> and some other guys like that. And, but it was, it was learning how to, um, what I did was, and this is, I'm going full savory on you here, but, uh, I would make spreadsheets for each position. Mm-hmm. And I would take like a three-year average of the player's stats and rank them uh, against their position. And then I would create this one giant spreadsheet that then slapped all of the positions together relative to each other. Mm-hmm. So you'd have like the first page because you, it was, I don't know how much you know about fantasy baseball. One side of it is offense and one side is pitching. So inevitably I'd have like a page and a half of pitchers before you ever hit an offensive player because mm-hmm. – because they relied heavily on saves as a stat. Well, there's a few elite closers. You need one of those. And they would yep. inevitably, inevitably be way at the top of that mega spreadsheet. And occasionally you'd see like an outfielder float in somewhere in the top 10. You'd want to get that guy because you can get another closer. But that really, if that one offensive guy is breaking through that page of pitchers, that's the guy you want first. <laughs> <laughs> I had this whole man, I would have this binder. With, and I would just walk into the draft. Everybody had like six or seven magazines. I'd walk in with my one binder. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's see. And, and, okay, so that gets back to what I find fascinating about baseball is that like Theo Epstein, I think I read something that he's like, you don't want, you don't have to have superstars. Yep. You just have to have better at average at every position. Yep. Um, of course, it doesn't help to have a couple superstars. Oh, you but, need a you, you need at least one solid number one pitcher. I mean, that, that is a difference maker in my book. But see, it always fascinates me because, like, you watch the baseball draft. And, you know, I've, I've worked with guys who are like, oh, man, they picked that kid up from Cal State. And it's like, yeah, when, when's he going to be in the big leagues? It was like, oh, five years. But, man, he's going to be a stud. And you're like, okay, I, I'm sorry. So I, I've stocked my roster with people who I, I'm not actually slating to have on the major league field for three to five years. Um, and that astounds me because it, it just seems like most of baseball is just pure risk. <laughs> it is. I, I, the, uh, that Astro Ball book, that I, I'm only like 40 pages in, but I'm already sucked in because it's like started out with the history of the team. And now we're like into Jeff Luno when he was still with the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. But they were talking about. Well, even when he was in Houston, you think he was still on the Cardinals. Or, which, which <laughs> was... I haven't gotten to that part where the, <laughs> where the switch was flipped. But anyway, yeah, there was, there was speculation about that at first. Uh, <laughs> but uh, talking about how um, essentially it, like the 95th percentile of players is like eight guys out of a, out of a draft class. It's like most of them just wash out through the system. 
They were, they, they're still in the minor league rosters. Yeah, essentially. And maybe one, you know, occasionally you get lucky with a 13 round, round 13th round pick like Pujols. Yeah, I was going to say, because <laughs> oh, Pujols is frustrating because he was a 13th round draft. Froze. You froze. Dude, you froze. Come back. You fr- okay, you said Pujols is frustrating, then you froze. Okay, same here. Um, no, Pujols is frustrating because he was like a late-round pick, but he was from a junior college over in KCK. Okay. So, I mean, he was pretty much a local kid that they missed. Oof. Well, see, and he ruined uh, Astros pitchers for, for years. I was in the building the night he destroyed Brad Lidge in mm-hmm. his career. When he hit this, just in the playoffs, hit this monstrous home run over the train in left center, and Brad Lidge could never get another out. He was ruined as a closer, just destroyed him. And I never forgave him for that because Lidge was so much fun to watch. And it just like that one game, he was just ruined him. And and Pujols ruined so many playoff dreams for the Astros for so long. I was amused when he got traded to the Angel or signed with the Angels, and then the Astros moved to the AL West. I'm like, really? He's still there. <laughs> Masochist. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the thing that fascinates me is that, like, you know, you pick a guy and you, you slate him in for 2023. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long-term process. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. The amount of – you're right. The amount of risk involved in that whole process is nuts. So I'm going to put a list of all those books in, this, in the show notes because okay. they're, all, they're all good reads, every one of them. I mean, because – there, I mean, have you, you know, you've seen the movie Moneyball, right? Have you yeah. read the book? No. It's, it's, it's really good. Okay. I, I'll put a whole list of them because they're all good uh, up through Astro Ball, which I'm reading now. So, all right. So that's, I wanted to talk about Astro Ball. That was a good conversation. No, um, no. It just fascinates me that, that you got to manage these guys for five years before you even get them to the pro level. And I mean, you got to manage their development too. And that's assuming they don't wash out before they ever get their injuries. Just mental, mental. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I've always loved about the movie Bull Durham Mm -hmm. is watching nuke on his way up and crash on his way down and where that intersects and how both guys are changed by it. That's one of my favorite movies ever. And it's for the same reason. Um, Yeah. Now, it's funny that we started the conversation. I talked about doing batting practice with Mayberry. I also got to do pitching with Dennis Dennis Leonard and Jamie Bluma. Nice. (laughs) And, you know, because this is the thing that's fascinating to me about them, is that it's not about, you know, just throwing the ball hard. It's how they hold the ball. They hold their hand. They do this, do this, you know. And so, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really only a couple of weeks removed from from having the, the, the thing put in. So I'm worried about throwing the ball super hard. Well, as I'm listening to them, I realize that it's not about throwing the ball super hard. It's really about the snap of my wrist and, and the grip on the ball. And the arm speed just gets me to the point of release. So I was like, okay, I got this. I got this. <laughs> my first pitch, it's a, it's a hit the mascot pitch. Okay. <laughs> hit the fucking bull. <laughs> I I cranked it. This kid had to jump up six feet in the air to catch. You know, I was like, oh man, that that was bad. That was bad. This is I go. This is my bad. Now on the other mound next to me, because we're in the bullpen, the actual. Okay. Bullpen, oh wow, sweet. 
is a guy who's just throwing with everything he's got, overthrowing everything. And I mean, he's in the dirt. He's in the dirt. He's to the left. He's to the right. My first pitch, again, hit the mascot territory. My second pitch, really not that much better. <laughs> and the guy, the guy catching, I was like, man, I'm sorry. I'm coming back of, um, you know, I've just described it as shoulder surgery, right? Like I'm coming back from shoulder surgery and I'm just trying to get the motion down. He's like, hey, man, just relax, relax. So I relaxed and I actually managed to throw a curveball that broke when I wanted it right? Nice. My problem was, is that I threw it right through the middle of the strike zone and it broke. Did it break down? Home run in Royals. <laughs> oh, somebody hit it? Nobody no, hit you it. In the open. Thought, did it you know, break, thought, did it break down or break, yes, le- oh, broke down. down in the strike zone? <laughs> yeah, that one's going for a ride if it breaks down <laughs> in the strike zone. But I'm thrilled because, you know, I actually crank this thing, put some spin. I could see it spin and I could see it fall off at the right. end. So, I mean, I threw a curveball, and I was so thrilled that the fact that it would have been, you know, like I said, kick, you know, hitting the parking lot outside the stadium <laughs> was secondary. That's exactly. That's cool. You, you got one to break off a major league mound. That's awesome. <laughs> and as it, they'll tell this Jamie Bloom is telling jokes you know they were telling stories about coming back from injury and all this stuff Jay Blues yeah because I'm telling this joke I'm playing cards with something I'm watching this guy and he's playing Texas Hold'em and stuff and he's he looks down he's got like aces he's like man you got something there he goes that ain't nothing he goes he goes you know what <laughs> he says we take your he goes grab your dick with one hand grab your dick with the other what you got left over that's something <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can do any better than that. <laughs> All right, that's it. We're done. <laughs> We're going out on a dick joke. It was such a good one because he when he told it too, he's like, <clears throat> and he looks around. He goes, "They're no women, right?" Okay, here we go. <laughs> Oh, all right. So this is our Christmas episode, our holiday episode. You got any Christmas plans? Staying home? Visiting anyone? Staying home. Us too. Yep. So I'm off work for the next two weeks. Good for you. I have to work until Thursday. I get to work Christmas Eve. I am not looking forward to that at my employer. Hmm? Day after would be worse. Well, I'm not going to be there for that. I'm just going to be there for all the calls and know your package is not going to get there by the end of the day today. <laughs> That'll be my day on Thursday. Um, but yeah, so, all right. Well, um, Merry Christmas. I have a package coming your way tomorrow, leaving my house. I don't know when it'll get there, but enjoy. Sometime before the end of the year. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> no guarantees, but it'll get there when it gets there. Um, slurptoast.com has got all the info on all the socials and a link to our store where C's been uploading some, some groovy new designs for some of our upcoming sponsors for the new year. And, uh, we'll, we'll break some more uh, news on that on the next episode on lucky 13. So, um, Oh, and I, I ordered a mask off there for myself to see what they're like. How is it? Actually not bad. Uh, I do found out I need to wash them because the uh, cotton fibers get up in my nose and uh, allergic reaction. Oh no. Anaphylaxis. Oh yeah. No, oh, hey, there's the episode title. Oh no. Anaphylaxis. 
<laughs> it always comes at the end. That's what she said. <laughs> and then the whole episode's about baseball. So yeah, exactly, it'll be perfect. Uh, no, but the mask actually—they're nice. They are—they're solid. So I'm going to try and do those uh, Kirby masks that we talked about. Oh, sweet! Let me know. I'll get one of those for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Merry Christmas to everyone who's listening, and we have listeners uh, in other countries now. I looked at the stats, so thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll bring you episode 13 in 2021, and until the next time, I'm still Bruce. He's still Steve. Still Steve. And this is Slurp Toast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.